Here we are, listener. The 10th episode of the Diaries of June. Can you believe the adventures we've had with Nana June? We've been all over London, gone to the front lines of the war, spent a day in Prague with Amelia and Jack, marched in a suffrage movement, had spooky supernatural encounters, survived a breakup, caught a movie, met a fabulous mentor, and now it's time to party. Oh yes, I'm celebrating today. You know why? Because I quit my job. Yep, I decided enough is enough. I'm tired of doing something that doesn't make me happy. I'm tired of living in a shoebox in San Francisco. I'm taking the reins now, baby. And I have Nana June to thank. All these months of reading her diary and getting to know her, her tenacity, her intelligence, her refusal to conform to the norms, her wit, her curiosity. She's just the most inspiring, incredible person. And I feel so lucky to have this connection with her. If it weren't for Nana June, I'd be back in San Francisco doing what I'm supposed to do and feeling completely miserable about it. Instead, I'm here on Orchid Island and the future is mine. My parents are being totally supportive. They want to finish restoring the estate and are totally happy to have another pair of hands. They've actually already finished the first floor. And that's part of the reason why they're throwing a party. A little housewarming shindig for all our family and friends. And get this, the theme is 1920s. <laughs> like, of course it is. It just had to be. Naturally, it's not a 1920s party unless you're wearing a flapper dress and a fascinator. So I went digging in Nana June's closet and found the best dress. It's light pink satin with blue trim. And even after all these years, it still looks almost new. The moths here have nothing on Nana June's intrepid housekeeper, Mrs. Talbot. The dress looked super familiar, and I couldn't place where I'd seen it before. Not in any of the pictures around the estate or in any of the press clippings from Nana June. But then it hit me. There was this one diary entry I found with a photo pasted on the page. It's of Nana June, and you can tell she's taking a selfie with one of those huge old-timey cameras. She's holding the clicker thinger in one hand and standing sort of off-center, looking a little like she's not sure it's going to work. I can only imagine how many weeks she had to wait to develop the film and see. Even though the photo's in sepia, I can tell she's wearing the exact dress I found. Satin pink with blue trim. And lucky for us, she wrote a diary entry about that night. So it's New Year's Eve, 1920. Nana June's been invited to a cocktail party in London to ring in the new year. Amelia and Jack are visiting for the occasion. Pretty cool how they kept showing up for Nana June, huh? That's real friendship. Real friendship, and maybe then some on Jack's part. <laughs> but I won't spoil what happens at midnight. 
Are you ready, listener? Got your champagne and party hat? Three, two, one. Happy diary entry. January 1, 1921. Happy New Year, diary. And it's off to a happy start. Well, a mildly hungover start, if I'm being entirely honest. But the headache this morning is very much worth last night's efforts to earn it. And last night was excellent fun. One of Amelia's art connections invited her to London for a New Year's Eve party. So, of course, she invited me and Jack. In all my time in London, I'd yet to go to a proper New Year's Eve cocktail party. Can you believe it? Amelia and I wore matching dresses in different colors. Mine in pink, hers in green, and Jack wore an incredibly dapper suit. He looked exceptionally handsome, and I think I caught his eye appreciating the lines of my dress in return. I have to admit, I was in rare form diary, and my stomach was doing happy loop-de-loops all night thinking about how he'd looked at me, and the soft, whoa, he'd exclaimed. Amelia, sensing these things as she always does, grabbed my arm and pulled me into a cab, shouting at Jack to grab the next one and follow us to the party. Did you see the way he looked at you? She gushed. I'm sure I blushed. Or maybe it was the champagne we'd been drinking as we dressed. Ooh, he's gonna kiss you at midnight. I just know it, she said with a squeal, grabbing my hand. Oh, come on, I said. But I was smiling, and I didn't try too hard to dissuade her. I wanted him to kiss me at midnight, diary. I'd wanted nothing more for months. Ever since Nikki, uh, well... Let's not talk about my ex-husband. But Jack and I have been growing closer and closer. He's not always around, of course. He picks up mechanic jobs and career routes as he finds them. But when he is around, he's the easiest company. We laugh together more than I've ever laughed with anyone. Amelia knows it. She's told me on more than one occasion how happy I look when Jack and I are together. Just date him, June, honestly. She's told me a million times and told me again in the cab. He's a fabulously handsome pilot who loves spending time with you. What have you got to lose? Any other night, I might have had a list of reasons why I shouldn't date him. But tonight, on the cusp of the new year, wearing a dress that fit for my form just right, I felt adventurous, full of possibility, ready for something new to happen. Our cab and Jack's behind us pulled up to a beautiful townhouse in the posh section of London. Lights blazed in every window, 
and I could hear the thrum of an upright bass under a gliding saxophone melody. The night, unseasonably warm and clear, felt electric with the promise of the new year. Shall we, ladies? Jack extended an elbow to each of us, which Amelia denied. I can't have any of London's eligible bachelors thinking I've arrived on the arm of another man, she exclaimed, patting her hair with a smirk. I intend to find someone to kiss at midnight, thank you very much. Jack turned to me, an eyebrow raised. My stomach did another happy flutter as I caught a sparkle in his eye. I accepted his elbow with a smile, not trusting myself to say anything witty. I'm normally so at ease with Jack, but last night... Uh, last night felt different. He seemed to feel it too. At least, he didn't tease me about meeting London's bachelors like he normally would have. I took it as a good sign. Our host's home was a lavish affair, decked out in enough streamers, ribbons, and balloons to fill the Thames. A banner stretched from the top of one enormous grand staircase to its partner on the other side of the hall, reading Happy New Year, 1921. Printed, Amelia mused, examining the banner with her artist's eye. Expensive. A champagne fountain bubbled in the corner of the room, water falling over a beautiful ice sculpture of swans. I counted myself lucky to be in London, and not under prohibition back in New York. Amelia ushered us over and procured glasses from a passing waiter. I've got to go say hello to our host, she said, waving a hand at a man across the room. But I'll introduce you two in a bit. See if you can find the powder room in the meantime. I expect we'll need to touch up soon. Typical Amelia. I knew she was flitting off to leave Jack and I to ourselves. If it had been any other guy, I might have been annoyed with Amelia leaving me to make small talk. But the man on my arm tonight was welcome company. So, Jack said, this is my first fancy London party. How am I doing? Fancy enough? He affected a straighter posture and tilted his nose to the ceiling. <laughs> Perfect! I laughed. Only thing you're missing is the monocle. Alack! Jack gasped in a faux British accent. Do forgive me, my lady. I'm afraid I left my monocle atop my pile of gold. However will you enjoy this party while I'm so ill-dressed? I slapped his arm teasingly, feeling a flirty energy pass between us. How about we find something stronger than champagne? I suggested. We'll drink to forget your fashion faux pas. Deal, he said, flashing one of those half smirks of his. The kind that always sends a tingle up my spine. The night blurred on in drinks, dancing, giggling trips to the powder room. London's elite knew how to party. That was for certain. Amelia eventually introduced us to the host, but for the life of me, I can't recall his name, nor how they met. One too many cocktails to retain the memory. 
Or maybe I was too smitten with Jack to take notice of any other man. Close to midnight, the band began playing a slow ballad, something I'd heard before but couldn't place. Oh, I love this song! I exclaimed to Jack, who didn't miss a beat. He extended a hand, bowing low. May I have this dance? His eyes twinkled above his grin, and my stomach gave another flirty flip. Something you wouldn't expect of a man who spends his time up to his elbows in engine grease. Jack is a wonderful dancer. He pulled me close to his chest, and the two of us glided across the dance floor, weaving in between the other partygoers as if we were on our own plane of existence. I could feel an electricity humming between our touch, could smell his cologne and hair pomade, something woodsy and citrus. It tickled my nose in a pleasant, mouth-watering way. Pressed so close together, I could only think of what his lips would feel like against mine. I wondered if he could feel the heat in my face at that thought, but I couldn't bring myself to look in his eyes. All too soon, the song turned from a ballad back to upbeat swing, and we broke apart to dance in time. His eyes found mine, found the shape of my dress, found the curl of my hair. Our hands clasped, static, charging between us, as he swung me around to the beat. I was breathless from dancing and excitement both. Whatever was happening tonight, I wasn't imagining it. It wasn't just me. Amelia rushed by us in a hurry, blowing a kiss. Off to find Mr. Midnight. Wish me luck. I laughed, loving her. Amelia had no qualms about romance. No hesitations about amorous exchanges with men she might never meet again. Paris, darling, she told me once, is the city of love for a reason. What's a kiss but a hello? Out of breath, Jack and I moved off the dance floor. My feet, so sure a moment ago, nearly tripped me as we navigated through the crowd, but Jack caught my elbow just in time. Whoa there, he winked. Don't start the new year with broken bones. We found our way back to the champagne fountain to ready ourselves with a toast before the countdown. As a moment of quiet passed between us, I caught myself doubting whether he'd intended to kiss me at midnight. I wanted to ask, but to do so seemed to spoil the unspoken electricity that had been passing between us all night. I chanced a look, only to find he was doing the same. And we both looked away, smiling and sipping our champagne. My nerves, diary. Ten minutes never passed so slowly. This was it. The start of something new. And for once... <laughs> I wasn't overthinking it. Well, <laughs> perhaps I was a little 
but not as much as usual, anyway. Not the way I'd overthought every other relationship or encounter before Jack. Jack was... Jack. Easy. Carefree. When I was around him, he made me feel the same way. So, he said a few minutes before midnight. Almost time. I knew he meant the new year, but there was an unspoken something there. I met his eyes and smiled. Almost time. You think Amelia found her Mr. Midnight? I looked over the crowd and spotted her laughing with a young man who was gazing at her, totally wrapped. She touched his arm and he lit up with a smile. <laughs> Looks like it. Jack laughed, following my eyeline, making friends everywhere she goes. It's nice to have friends, I said lamely, immediately wishing I could stuff the words back into my mouth. I hadn't intended to say anything at all. Why did that come out? It's especially nice to be your friend, Jack said, sliding closer to put an arm around my waist. Spending time with you over the last few months has been great, June. I really mean it. You're one of a kind. Before I could say anything, the band leader shouted into the microphone for quiet. Our countdown begins, he started, cueing the percussion section to start a drum roll. With a ten! The crowd roared in response, lifting glasses. And a nine! The drum roll continued, filling the space with its rhythm, sending pulses up the floor, through my feet, to my stomach. Give me an eight! Jack's arm tightened around my waist, and I looked up to see him smiling down at me. Seven's heaven, baby! The strings began to fill in the drum roll in a frenzy of flurrying bows. Six for a fix! The band leader cued the horns, who hummed a harmony of anticipatory notes. Five! The crowd joined in to shout the count. But Jack whispered it in my ear. Four. His breath, champagne sweet, tickled a lock of my hair. Three. My skin broke into goose flesh, spreading from the tip of my head in rivets down my limbs. Two. His lips brushed my cheek, stretching the syllable in an exhale that weakened my knees. One! The word erupted around me, but I was deaf to it as Jack's lips found mine. Confetti, poppers, balloons, champagne spray, the swell of the big band finish. All of it narrowed to a fine point, dim and far away. There was only Jack, one hand pressed in the small of my back, the other woven in my hair. As our lips met again and again. It might have been a minute, it might have been an hour, I couldn't tell you, diary. But it was bliss, however long it lasted. 
We were both grinning from ear to ear when we came apart. <laughs> nothing was said. Nothing needed to be said. Jack tucked a lock of hair behind my ear and squeezed my hand. Ugh, I felt goofy, unable to stop smiling. We might have stayed like that, smiling at each other forever, if Amelia hadn't rescued us from our stupor. There you two are. I've just left Mr. Midnight. An okay kisser for a Londoner, but I do prefer the way Parisians kiss. Me? I prefer the way Americans kiss. And I hope to be doing a lot more of it in this new year. Oh my gosh! Yes! Nana June! <laughs> Woohoo! I knew it! And I love it so much! Oh, oh my gosh! What a great, great entry. I am here for Nana June and Jack. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? How all of Nana June's amazing adventures and midnight kisses with handsome pilots came from her decision to move to London. Everything she went on to accomplish, all of the people she met and helped, all of the places she visited, all because she took a chance and moved to London at 17. I don't know about you, listener, but I think we should toast to Nana June's bravery, to her being an amazing inspiration, an era-defying go-getter, and just an all-around boss. And a good writer, too. That diary entry gave me goosebumps. Ooh, wonder if I'll meet a pilot at the party tonight. Okay, so I've got my glass of champagne here. The party starts in just a few minutes, so I'm wrapping up just in time. Do you have your glass, listener? Champagne, tea, water, whiskey, whatever you've got. Raise it up. Ahem. Here's to you, Nana June. Thank you for sharing your amazing adventures with us. It has been an absolute pleasure to dive into your past and learn from your fabulous, globe-trotting, roaring twenties life. May all of us, whenever we're feeling lost and unsure, whenever we're feeling a little out of place, channel Nana June to guide us along our own journeys. And with that, my dear listener, it's time for your host to have some awesome adventures of her own. Autumn's Awesome Adventures <laughs> has a nice ring to it, right? Until we meet again. Maybe in another season of the podcast. Maybe globetrotting around the world. Maybe even in Orchid Island's newest grilled cheese shop. <laughs> it's been fantastic sharing these stories with you, my June crew. Thank you so, so much for joining me on Nana June's journey. This has been June's Journey, The Lost Diaries, from Wooga. 
You can step into June Parker's shoes and become the detective herself in June's Journey, the number one hidden object game in the world. Live the glamorous 1930s life as you journey around the world, finding hidden objects, adventure, and even a little romance. Download June's Journey for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Thanks for listening.